Today, I was just kind of not sure what to speak on, but I've just had this phrase really for a little while, uh, which uh, I felt God was saying, uh, that as people, we need to be radically committed to Christ, his church, and his cause. And I feel like there's a, there's, there's a need for a people to arise that are radically committed to Christ, his church, and his cause. And really, that, so that's what I'm going to speak on. And it's a bit kind of all over the place. It's not just one passage. Um, but I feel like that's really what is on my heart to bring to you guys. Because what I've noticed over the last couple of years, and they've been quite a few years, haven't they? The last couple of years, all kinds of challenges in the mix. But what I've noticed that is that some people have drifted. Um, and I don't know if that's the same in, in Solihull, but it's certainly the case where we are. I've seen people drift from their faith in this time. A good friend of mine drifted away from Christ altogether. Seen people drift away from the from the church in this time and not come back. I've seen church leaders um, even drift away from church, wanting to give up. Um, it's been a challenging time for church leaders, um, and it feels like a number of people have kind of got into a new pattern of life that, where their commitment to church and God's kingdom has kind of almost been relegated. I don't know if you've you've noticed that too, and so I just feel there's a real call. Um, for a people to rise up again that are passionately, radically committed to Christ, his church, and his cause. Because I think one thing the last two years have done in all kinds of ways is ask the question, how committed are we really? How committed are we really? When the heat is on, when the pressure hits, when things are turned upside down and the world is shaking, under the surface of our faith, is there something real? Is there something genuine? Is there something that is unshakable? Unshakable. And so I believe there is this call for people to be radically committed to Christ, his church, and his cause. So I'm just going to look at each of those in turn. So firstly, radically committed to Christ. I was really struck um, recently by Mark 3, verse, uh, verses 13 to 15. Just going to read them to you. Um, should cup on. The, oh, you've got a PowerPoint there. That's really handy, isn't it? Having that screen there. <laughs> Normally, it's behind me in church, um, and I'm never sure if they 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 they're kind of catching up. They're in sync, but it's really nice to see that there. Anyway, <laughs> so it says Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And what really struck me just recently was that their first appointment was just to be with Jesus, to be with him. He appointed them first and foremost that they might be with him. Actually, I've just noticed, never even struck me before, he wanted them. He says he wanted them. You know, he wants you. Jesus wants you. He, you know, he's called you by name, he wants you on his side. He wants you by his side. And their first appointment was to be with Jesus, first and foremost. And actually, that's the very thing that the Pharisees noted, wasn't it, later, when Peter and John stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts 4. They'd just healed that man at the, the gate, beautiful, and it had caused an uproar in the city. Yeah, And they're getting hauled before the Jewish court, and they're, they're being asked by, by the Pharisees, you know, who... who Whose authority are you doing this, this in? And they say it's Jesus. And it says, it says, 
um, in verse 13, Acts 4, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They'd been with him. See, we so often focus on the wrong thing, don't we? We want to preach. We want to cast out demons. We want to do the healing. I want to learn how to do that stuff. Yeah? And so the answer is, well, I'll go and get trained to do that stuff. I'll go on a course. I'll get educated in how to, how to do this, how to do that, how to do the things that Jesus did. But our first appointment, and I think often the thing we overlook, the most basic principle of all, is you've actually got to be with him. <laughs> And you've got to walk with him. You've got to actually know him and walk with him day by day. All that other stuff is great. All that other stuff is good. And he's going to teach his disciples to do all of that stuff. But if behind it all, if underneath it all, there's no walk with Jesus, you're not actually with him, then actually you, you will let, it will just be a dead end. You see, the answer is never in a qualification. The answer is never in a course. The answer is never found in a program. It's a person. The answer's found in a person, in the person of being with a person, walking close with a person. Do you know that? Do you know him? See, I think one thing lockdown has taught us is that the church has become far too dependent upon programs, personalities, platforms, rather than the person of Jesus Christ, rather than the person. And a guy came up to me recently, and it will sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet here, but I'm trying not to. This guy came up to me, and he said, in our church, he said, Matt, you know, you preach so well. My head starts to swell. <laughs> you, pre you preach really well, and I've been around different churches. Why is it that I, you know, how do you preach so well? What, what's, the, what's the secret? And I think he was expecting a certain answer, because the truth is, I never went to university. Um, I'm not a well-educated person. I'm not very good at studying. I don't, I'm not a book person, okay? I do, I do read, but it takes me months sometimes to get through books. I don't have my head in theology books and commentaries. And, and you know, I, this is what I told him. Simply, what you get on a Sunday is this. It's what, it's what I've found to be true in my walk with God. Yeah, day by day, it's, it's what I've found in the Bible. It's, it's what I've found in prayer. As I've walked with Jesus, that's what you're getting. And it didn't seem to impress him that much, to be honest. And he doesn't actually come to our church anymore. <laughs> so I don't think he was very impressed with that answer. Now, I think there's other reasons why he moved on. But you get my, you get my point. The disciples were unschooled. They were uneducated. They were ordinary men. There was actually nothing special about them. And we have to be so careful that we don't look at these guys and think, well, they're the heroes of the faith. I think the Bible actually... Jesus tries to show us, no, they're really ordinary guys. They really are ordinary. You know, have, have you seen the amount of times Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith? <laughs> have you seen the amount of times they mess up? The Bible's trying to make a point. These guys are ordinary. There's nothing special about them other than this. They'd been with Jesus. They were with him. They were with him. And I would say the main thing that's kept me standing over the last few years, other than my odd conversation with Rob, <laughs> when the chips were down, was this very simple fact. I spent the last two years with Jesus, walking with him, in, in his word, in prayer, in fellowship. With, 
daily fellowship with the Holy Spirit, seeking him. And actually, I've found that that is the thing that keeps me going. (laughs) That's the thing that gives me life. That's the thing that gives me strength. And I believe there is a need for a people to arise again who are radically committed to Christ. And knowing him, knowing him, walking with him daily, fellowshipping with him, because that is the key. Underneath it all, that is the key. That's where it starts. Secondly, I want to talk about church. Because what follows a radical commitment to Christ is a radical commitment to his church. Do you know that? That's what follows. The one will follow the other. But I think, again, the last few years have shown us that there have been a number of people who have kind of got it the wrong way around. They've been committed to church, but when all of that was stripped away, there was no walk with Christ. And one's got to follow the other. There's got to be the foundation of a walk with Christ and know Jesus, and that will lead you to a love for his church and his people. Really knowing Christ, really loving Christ will always lead you to love the church because that's who Christ died for, right? He died not just for a bunch of individuals, not for just, he's not just my personal saviour. He died to save a body, a people, a bride. He's coming back. What's he coming back for? He's coming back for his bride, okay? And that's not an individual thing. That's a corporate thing. Jesus loves his church. And I don't know about you, but I've heard things like this a number of times recently. I follow Jesus. I love Jesus, but I don't go to church. Heard that? I'm a bit disillusioned with the church. And you can kind of understand. You can get that sometimes, can't you? Or have you heard this one? Jesus said, I will build my church, so I don't have to. <laughs> I don't have to. That's, that's his job. It's not my job. And so it means I can kind of stay home and watch, continue watching church online and tuning in to whatever service I feel like across the world, whatever I fancy. And I've you know, even just recently come across a good couple who were still in that place. I mean, their, church, their local church has been going back for I don't know how long but they're still at home, still watching. And there's genuine reasons for some people, but I think generally there is a call again for people to get passionate, to get serious about the church. (laughs) And yes, Jesus did say, I will build my church, but guess what? We're called to be part of the building project. We're called to be part of the building project. Let's read from 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 to 13. It says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Corinth here, and he's saying, like a wise builder, not a cowboy builder, okay? Anyone had experiences of those? We've had a few cowboy builders in our homes over the years. But like a wise builder, which is where we get our word architect from in the Greek, so that's where we get that word from. Like a wise builder, like an architect, I laid a foundation so Paul knows, I, I'm involved here, yeah? He's not saying Christ will build the church. 
I don't have to. He's saying, I'm involved. I've laid a foundation amongst you. I'm building something. Then it says another is building upon it. It says someone else is building upon it. So others are involved. So it's not just Paul, it's others. Others are building upon that foundation, okay? Pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists. We need all of these gifts, don't we, today? We need those gifts to be operational in the church for the building up of the church. But then, get this, it says each one. Each one should build with care. Each one. So this is not just the job of leaders. It's not just the job of those especially gifted. This is everyone. Everyone's called to play their part. Everyone's called to this building project, to be a part of this building plan. Just happened to read this from Terry Virgo the other day on social media. Kind of thought it fitted, fitted in. It says, belonging to Christ immediately implies belonging to his body, which immediately implies being a functioning member of his church. The Bible doesn't really know any other kind of Christianity. Wow, the Bible doesn't know, doesn't talk about any other kind of Christianity other than people that are committed to Christ, understand the church is his body and are therefore committed to building and being a part and seeing that body function in all of its fullness. We're all called to this. A radical commitment to Christ will cause us to be committed and passionate about his church. But notice there's also a warning here. It says we are to build with care. To build with care. Because a day is coming when our work will be tested with fire. That's quite challenging, isn't it? That's quite scary. Those aren't the verses we stick on our fridge or frame on our walls, are they? The fire's coming. What I built is going to be tested by fire. But that's what this is saying. The fire will show up how well we have built. Was it with wood, sticks and straw, which just got burnt up when the fire came, when the pressure came? Or was it with gold, silver and costly stones? It's so poignant, isn't it? Even at the moment, I don't know if you've heard the news of another, I won't name any names, but another mega global church, all kinds of stuff coming out, facing allegations of sexual immorality, a driven, bullying, money-driven, celebrity-focused culture. You know, just because a house is big doesn't mean it's built right. Yeah? We have to be so, so careful. Just because a house is big doesn't mean it's built well. It's easy to get caught up in that mentality, isn't it? I know that I often do. I just want this thing to be bigger. (laughs) But we've got to build with care. We've got to make sure it's built in the right way. So are you building with care? Because it will be tested with fire. And I think this is such a wake-up call, isn't it? Again, to the church in the West, kind of consumer mentality in the church. Um, This whole thing of just chasing an experience, an experience of God. You know, I go to church, I've got my doctors for when I get sick, I've got my sports club for when I want some leisure. I go to church to get my bit of God into my life. And it's almost like, yeah, we're just chasing this experience. And a number of people jumping from church to church, chasing this experience, a better experience of God. Do you know, we're not called to be consumers. 
we're called to be contributors. Contributors. And I believe there's a, a call for the church to get serious. <laughs> you know, a call away from consumerism and to contributing, to building, to building with care, building with gold, silver, and costly stones, which means, doesn't it? It means sacrificial giving, because what is the cornerstone? What is the cornerstone of the church? It's Jesus Christ. You know, his sacrifice upon the cross is the cornerstone of the church. Paul says elsewhere, doesn't he? I laid a foundation, Jesus Christ and him crucified. No one else can lay another foundation. This is the cornerstone. As if we're to build with gold, silver and costly stones, it follows that model, right? That's what it means. To build with gold, silver and costly stones, it means following the model of Christ. The cornerstone has been laid and we are to build upon it. That means sacrificial giving. That means giving our time. It means giving our money. It means pouring our lives out for the sake of the church, pouring our lives out for the sake of one another, right? There are 58 different one anothering verses in the Bible. <laughs> Encourage, you know, serve one another, consider one another above yourself. All of those things. That's how we build church. Those are costly stones, precious stones, considering others above yourself. That's a costly stone laid right there. Getting behind your leaders and their vision praying for them, supporting them, being their greatest encourager, not their greatest critic. <laughs> they, they're costly stones. That's how you lay costly stones in the church. And so I believe we need to be a people that are coming back to this call to get serious again about his church and his people. Radically committed to Christ, which means we're radically committed to his church. We're called to... <clears throat> not be consumers, but contributors. Finally, let's talk about cause. Radically committed to his cause. And um, this verse, I, I find, personally, I just find this so challenging. This verse from Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33. It says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is calling his disciples to a new priority. A kingdom priority. Seek the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Go after the kingdom. Because do you know that the church doesn't exist just to have nice meetings. Like we're having right now. <laughs> yeah. It's great, isn't it, when we get to gather Sunday mornings and worship and just be together and worship him and sense his spirit amongst us. But actually, the church is called to more than that. And I felt really challenged over lockdown. I remember being in my uh, front room. We've got a, it's our dining room, our front room, and walking around that table in prayer like I often did and feeling this growing sense of just frustration as we were actually in lockdown um, couldn't go out and just getting, feeling a bit crazy in my house and feeling quite frustrated. And then just this sense of, ah, oh, we've got to be telling more people about Jesus. And the reality was, I was getting frustrated because I couldn't do church. I couldn't do the meetings. We couldn't do the stuff we normally did. And I felt God just challenged me. But are you frustrated that you can't tell people about Jesus? 
And that really kind of hit me. That really got me. He really challenged me with that. And I felt him saying, Matt, have you, are you just, have you just got caught up in running meetings or have you understood you're on a mission? It's easy to do, isn't it? To get caught up in just getting, making sure everything's in place so that the church runs nicely and all our meetings are in good order. <laughs> or have you understood, no, you're actually called to something bigger than that. You're called to a mission. You're called to a mission. The church is to be on mission. I heard someone say once, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission actually has a church. That was a paradigm shift for me, okay? So often we think, we do church. We make sure everything's working and good and in order. And then if we've got time left, we might run an alpha course. Or we might do this, yeah? And I felt, wow, you know, what, what originated first? Actually, mission. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And out of that place, a church was born. <laughs> so mission, the, the mission has a church. The church doesn't have a mission. Just a bit of a paradigm shift there for you. So yes, we're called to build the church, but the church's purpose is actually to extend the kingdom. To extend the kingdom. Listen to these verses in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... <clears throat> The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Amen. <laughs> All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Again, amen. It's all from him. It's all from God. But then it says, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. See, we have been reconciled to God through Christ. That's amazing news, isn't it? New creation, the old is gone, the new has come, hallelujah, amen. But we've also been given a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry of reconciliation. God wants to make his appeal through us. God wants to make his appeal through you, through Jubilee Church, Solihull. He wants to make his appeal to unbelievers through you. Now, <clears throat> my 40th birthday was actually four years ago. Um, I know you wouldn't believe it. But um, my, my wife uh, booked this canoeing uh, outing for my birthday. And we had two boats, two canoes. Um, you could fit two, three people in each one. And uh, I didn't, did the boys get in one, Nadine, and then the girls in the other? Was that right? Yeah. I'm not trying to be sexist here, but, but we did get ahead of the girls. <laughs> and we looked back, and um, it seemed like they were spending a lot of their time kind of stuck in the reeds at the side of the bank. And my, my middle son said, I'll go in the other boat, and I'll help them. I'll help them. So we stopped, transferred him over. And um, 10 minutes later, this call comes to our boat. Dad, I want to get out of this boat. It's broken. It wasn't broken. They were just kept hitting the bank. <laughs> you see, you have to have both oars going, don't you, to go in a straight line. And I think there's something in that for the church, that we've got to have this... We have been reconciled to God. We've been reconciled, and that's wonderful. <laughs> and we're good at celebrating that. But we've also got the ministry of reconciliation. And... I think a lot of the time the church ends up in the bank or is going around in circles because we haven't got both oars going. 
We haven't got both, both oars in place. And the way we're going to move forward, the way the kingdom is going to advance is if we paddle both sides. That yes, we've been reconciled to God, but also we are called to call others to be reconciled to him too. See, we're not just to run meetings. We're on mission to a dying world. But the problem I find, and I'm sure many of us do, is that we get this passage in Matthew kind of the wrong way round. And I, I, know, I know that this is true for me. It's such a challenging pas- passage because Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink you know, and the clothes on your back and all of that stuff. But, but seek first my kingdom. Because that's what the pagans do. That's what the unbelievers do. That's how they live life. They live life chasing these things, don't they? It's about money. It's about getting everything in place. I, I, I'm centering my life about th- around this. I'm going to get this in place. And I know that I still fall into that trap. How many of us know it's so easy to fall into that trap, to just live life like that? to run after clothes, to run after money, to know, well, this is my job. I've got to get my job sorted and I've got to get this in place. But Jesus says, no, I want you to reorientate your priorities so that the kingdom comes first, so that you're worrying not about these things, you're worrying about the kingdom. You've got to start worrying about the kingdom. And that's such a provocation, isn't it? It's such a challenge because I know that I fall into that trap. And there's got to be a revolution of our priorities. I believe God is calling the church to a revolution of our priorities. That we're not just living like the pagans do, chasing after money and jobs and clothes. And and if I've got a little bit of time left, I'll I'll seek the kingdom. I'll I'll, I'll do that. I'll I'll, I'll try and reach my neighbours. Maybe I'll get involved in the Alpha course. But I'll make sure I've got everything else in place first. Jesus is flipping it on his head. He's saying, seek first the kingdom. And the promise, and this is amazing, we've got the promise is that he will provide. He says, the Father knows what you need. He knows what you need. So if you get your priorities around the right way and you seek first the kingdom, you can bet he's going to provide and give you what you need on that journey. And the, the reason we're so caught up in anxiety sometimes is because we're worrying about the wrong things. And we're worrying about life. But Jesus says, worry about the kingdom and I will provide. And so God is calling us to a complete reordering of our priorities. But it is, it's a challenge. I read this article recently that asked, that the headline of this article was, are we too distracted for revival? Are we too distracted for revival? And it basically says, we're too, instra- too distracted by the entertainment world to read the word of God. We live in this age where the Bible is the most accessible it has ever been. It's on our tablets, it's on our phones. Some of us still have one on our bookshelf. It's on our computers. It's the most accessible it's ever been, but I think it's the most least read in our congregations it's ever been. Challenging. Too distracted by the entertainment to read God's word Too busy organising our lives and our leisure to pray. I don't know what your church is like, but it's a struggle. We find it a struggle to call people to prayer in our church. And so busy being constantly offended by what's happening around us to actually repent of our own sin. (laughs) Too busy getting offended by the rest of the world and what other people are doing to actually say, humble ourselves and say, God, I need to live right. 
I've got to get right with God. Are we too distracted for revival? I think if we're ever going to see a move of God, there needs to be a revolution of our priorities. Because here's the truth. The gospel isn't just an invitation for Jesus to come into our life. You know, we pray that prayer, don't we, on conversion. Jesus, come into my life. And he does, and that's amazing. The gospel is actually an invitation to step into his big story. To step into his story. And so often we make following Jesus about my story. I need a bit of Jesus. Jesus, help me with this. Help me with my job. Help me here. Help me. And I don't know. Of course, God wants to help us. But have we understood that following him is stepping into his story? Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't say, I'm just going to come into your life and give you an easier life. And so I believe that, you know, we need to see a people rising up that are radically committed to Christ. Actually knowing him. the person of Christ for ourselves, walking with him day by day, radically committed to his church, not consumers but contributors, building with gold, silver and costly stones and radically committed to his cause, who have a kingdom priority, looking to see people reconciled to God. Shall we stand as we come to an end? So I just, yeah, I just felt coming, you know, as we come to an end, you know, I've covered a lot of ground um, this morning and uh, this afternoon, rather. And um, I'm sure the Holy Spirit is challenging us in various different ways. You know, I feel provoked myself even bringing this message. But I want to finish by coming back to the start. I want to finish... By reminding us that he appointed the 12 to be with him first and foremost. And I felt God was just wanting to say to you, are you fulfilling your first appointment? Are you fulfilling your first appointment? Because actually everything else flows from there. This is the foundation for everything else. And I felt there just might be people here that if you're completely honest, you know that you've just drifted a bit. It might just be a little bit. It might actually be a lot. But you know in your heart of hearts, I've drifted. I'm not where I was. And the scripture that came to me was Revelation 2, where it says, you have forsaken your first love. And um, the church is actually commended for a number of things in those passages. But what God says to them is, but you have forsaken your first love. And I just felt that might be relevant for some people. The call is to be with him, to love him, to know him, to walk with him. And it's time, you know, that passage goes on to say it's time to go back and do the things you did at first. And I felt like there was something in that for some people in this room, that you need to go back and do some of the things you used to do. Some of the the practices you used to have in place some of the disciplines, perhaps, that you used to have. You've drifted. And God is saying, look, come back to me. Come back to me. And I felt like it was a reappointing moment. He says he appointed 12 to be with him. 
And this morning, God is saying, look, there's a chance, there's a reappointment going on here. You've been distracted. You've been pulled into other things. Some of those might even be really good things. They can even be really good things. But what it's done is it's pulled you out of that place of being with him. And Jesus is saying, I want to reappoint you. I want to call you back to your first appointment, your first assignment, which is to be with me and to walk with me. Because actually that is your qualification. And I felt like for some people, you don't feel qualified. We've talked about building the church. We've talked about uh, the kingdom and extending the kingdom. And you don't feel qualified. You feel like, what, me? (laughs) And actually, again, your qualification comes just from being with Jesus and walking with him. And I feel like there's people here who, who are qualified. Is that behind the scenes you have been faithful. You have, you know, you, you, you're walking with him. You know him. And God is saying, actually, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to go for it. It's time for you to, to shine. <laughs> and so as we come to an end, I'm just, just going to pray. And if any of that resonates with you, just want to encourage you to respond. And then we, I think we'll sing. If you've got some. So yeah, just, just respond where you are. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Love you so much, Father. Oh Jesus. Wow. Yeah, just sense his presence falling on us right now. Father, we just want to come back to you this morning. We want to say we're sorry for where things have pulled us out of position. We're sorry for where we've been distracted or got caught up in other things. We're sorry for where we strayed from our first appointment, which is to walk with you, talk with you and know you. And God, we're saying today we come back. We come back to that place. Thank you that there is no condemnation you welcome us with open arms because it said didn't it that that he wanted them he wants you this morning you need to hear that call that was in that verse we looked at he called those he wanted and he's wanting he's calling you back to that place of intimacy and closeness because he wants you wants to be with you and he wants you to walk with him come Holy Spirit bring us back to that place Lord we pray in Jesus name Forgive us for where we've been distracted, Lord. And I want to pray that you'd put a fresh passion in our hearts, Lord. Where the fire has grown dim, where the years have taken their toll, Lord. Where there's been this onset of just weariness, God. I want to pray, would you light a fresh fire in our hearts, a fresh passion in our hearts, a fresh zeal in our hearts, God. That we would be ruthless about putting you first. Ruthless about putting you first in our lives, Lord, and not settling for anything less. In Jesus' name.
Say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.